Hey, everybody. Welcome to How Leaders Lead, where every week you get to listen in while I interview some of the very best leaders in the world. I break down the key learning so that by the end of the episode, you'll have something simple that you can apply as you develop into a better leader. That's what this podcast is all about. Now, look, you can have the very best product or service or cause in the world, but in order for it to really succeed, you have got to be able to get people's eyes and ears on it. You need their attention. But boy, these days, it's harder than ever to get it. But fortunately for us, today's guest is an absolute genius at getting attention. And even better, he knows how to turn it into lasting loyalty. I'm talking about Jesse Cole, the owner of the Savannah Bananas. Now listen, this is not your everyday baseball team. They are out to make baseball fun. I'm talking really fun. They're putting pitchers on stilts and lighting bats on fire and doing all kinds of wacky stuff. And it's working. They sell out every game. They have over 2 million followers on TikTok, and they're attracting serious attention from Major League Baseball teams who want to know how they do it. Jesse's going to help you apply his strategies so your organization can get the attention it really deserves. So here's my conversation with my good friend and soon to be yours, Jesse Cole. Jesse, it's great to have you on the show. <laughs> Fired up to be back with you, David. This is quite the honor, my friend. <laughs> hey, man, you have been on a rocket ship lately, and you've got this new show coming out. I think it's going to be next week. It's with ESPN. It's a four one hour episode show on the Savannah Bananas. I mean, tell us about it. <laughs> well, I could tell you about the hundred rejections that we had for four years of the idea of a TV show came in 2018. And we had groups reach out to us and pitched it over and over again. And no interest, no interest, no interest. And then finally, uh, an ESPN writer wrote a story on us last year and they wanted to do a Sports Center special. And so they did a seven minute Sports Center special and that took off huge social media. And from there, we made one more pitch to ESPN, and they said, we've never done a show like this. It's a long shot. There's probably very little chance this will happen. Two months later, we got the call that they were greenlighting a show with us on our Banana Ball tour, and I was blown away. You know, I remember watching that seven-minute special on ESPN. is great. And if you recall, I texted you and congratulated you on that. I thought that was just fantastic. Since we're such good pals, can you give us a, any secret, something on the show that's coming up that you, you just can't wait for people to see? You know, I haven't seen anything. I know that they started with us on our tryouts for the Banana Ball World Tour in February and covered us all the way through May. So two straight months, hundreds of hours of footage. I was mic'd up at all times. They had all of our players, our characters. It was a lot of the behind the scenes. And you know, this time, David, is when we went from 1 million social media followers to 4 million. So we did crazy things like guys with their bats on fire and pitchers on stilts and trick pitchers. And we tried it all. And they covered all the beginning and the end and how it all worked out, which was, I think it's going to be a great show to watch. So you're going to be as excited as I am to see this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be very intrigued to see what they actually show. But, you know, it's just part of the whole experience. You know, momentum leads to more momentum. And it's crazy what's happened over the last few months with the national media. And from six years ago, sleeping on an airbed, David, and having to sell our house and, you know, down to our last dollar to see where it is now is just really, truly, truly amazing. We had you on the podcast a couple of years back when I was just getting started doing my podcasting. And uh, I'd say it's pretty safe to say a lot has changed for you. What's been the biggest shift you've experienced as a leader since our last conversation? 
for us, it, it comes back simply to vision and focus. You know, at first we just came to Savannah trying to survive, trying to sell a few tickets and make ends meet. And after our initial success of selling at every game, we thought there was something much bigger. So during 2020 and the COVID year where live entertainment was probably the worst industry you could be in, we were struggling. We said, let's just think bigger. Let's not be in the business. Let's work on the business. And where are we going? How do we think exponentially? How do we focus on where, not how, and not the little details? And we came up with a plan to really think about what isn't in our industry. And so how can we play year round? How can we take the show to more people? How can we build Banana Land here to be more than just a baseball park? And from there, our team got more purpose, more fulfillment in everything we were doing. And we said, we're going to commit and put the gas on what we're doing. And so what we went all in is on making baseball fun. Every decision doesn't make baseball fun. Is it fans first? And that's really guided us with all of our content, everything we do on the field. And now today, David, you know, we do five to 10 new things on the baseball field every night that we've never done before in front of a live crowd which is a lot of experimentation, but it's all to make baseball fun. And we learn faster by doing that. Give our listeners just a sense of what it's like to, to go to a game at, at your stadium and, and watch the Savannah Bananas. Well, it starts at, you know, 530, you know, it's at the March. So when fans are lined up most nights, you know, anywhere a couple thousand fans are lined up two hours before the game. Fans come in from anywhere between 20 to 40 states, five to 10 countries. And they line up and we come out with our full pep band greeting the fans. Then comes our male cheerleading team, the Mananas. Then comes our Banana Nanas, our senior citizen dance team. Then comes our mascot. Then comes all the players. And we greet the fans by literally doing a full-fledged dance. Hey, hey, baby. Ooh, ah. Then we throw off confetti. Then we do this big opening celebration. And that's how the show starts, with that opening act. And then from there on, we have parades, we have weigh-ins, we throw beads in the crowd, we throw Dolce & Banana underwear, we have breakdancing coach, we have dancing players, we have a banana baby, we lift up in the air and say, nah, Savannah, nah, we It is an absolute <laughs> circus. And then a baseball game breaks out. And then at the end of the night, you know, we plan some really special moments where the whole entire team, the whole staff, everyone, and the fans are arms around each other singing Stand By Me in a circle in the plaza at the end of the game. And that's what we call our Kiss Goodnight. And it's a choreographed script of the energy because we want not one fan to be bored for one moment at our show. And it's worked out pretty well. <laughs> no wonder you have a packed house every night, and people begging to get in. You know, the New York Times wrote an article on your team in March titled, Baseball Players Don't Dance, The Savannah Bananas Beg to Differ. And some of those dances have racked up 40 to 50 million views on TikTok. What have you learned, Jesse, about attracting attention over the years? Because I don't think there's anybody better at it. We believe attention beats marketing 1,000% of the time. We don't have a marketing plan, David. We have an attention plan. So we get together as our staff every Monday, today in a little bit, we'll have our OTT meeting, which is over-the-top ideas and outrageous ideas we can do at the field to create attention and create more fans. And so that is our entire plan that we think about what are we doing that's going to be unique and different. And as you know, David, obviously with all the different brands you had with Yum! Brands and Taco Bell, especially, you thought dramatically different with everything. It was what will this product do to create some attention unique and get people talking? And we're so obsessed with that. We learned that from P.T. Barnum, Walt Disney, get people talking. So that's part of the model that we think about. And you mentioned dance. The New York Times wrote a great article on that. You know, it started with a test. Players dancing. Could our players dance every game? Then could we have a breakdancing coach? Then could we have a Banana Nana's senior citizen dance team? And now we have a dancing umpire when he strikes out someone, he does a full-fledged dance while he's striking out a guy. 
So it's keep taking it to the next level, which then creates more attention. <laughs> What's coming up next that you're really excited about? Do you have one idea that you just can't wait to show off? Oh, well, 1,000%. I mean, eventually we're going to have players skydive to their positions. I mean, there's no <laughs> question in my mind they're going to skydive. And we'll eventually, because we're the bananas, David, we'll have a ball monkey. So an actual monkey that delivers baseballs to the umpire. You know, we've got a lot of ideas. It's going to take some time, but we'll eventually get there. What I love about you is you're a very creative guy, but you have a lot of process and discipline around what you do. And you have the habit of writing down new ideas every single day. How have you been able to take this process and discipline that you have as a leader and scale it beyond yourself? You know, you texted me a couple of years ago and gave me a great compliment, which I don't know if you realized, and, and I've thought about it almost daily. You said, Jesse, you're a tremendous parallel thinker and how you can see something in another industry and put it into your own. And I think that's how we do everything. Walt Disney was great at this. Whenever he traveled, he got ideas from different countries, from different movies, from different restaurants. And so, yes, I, I start with 10 ideas every morning and it's really learning from other industries. And, you know, I, I'm constantly studying now the greatest YouTubers, you know, Mr. Beast, for instance, he's the greatest YouTuber right now with 100 million subscribers. So I study what he's doing. How does that translate into what we can do with our baseball and entertainment? How do you scale it? is you build a culture of ideas. So we have idea paloozas every Monday with our team. What are the things we're going to do that's unique? We have idea paloozas with our broadcast. What are the new things we can show on a broadcast that no one's ever seen on our actual digital streaming? So everything starts with ideas. It's not the process of execution. It's think big with the ideas and then scale down on how can we execute that. And I think the team literally comes every day with what can we do differently that we haven't done before. You're a huge thinker, big time thinker. And I'm curious about what fuels your swing for the fences approach. For me, I go back. I was an only child. My parents were divorced. My mother had a drug problem. My dad raised me, was constantly working. And I think I was constantly a kid trying to make him proud. And my dad actually told me, I shared this in my book, Fans First. You know, when I was a kid coming up to bat. My dad would go, Jess, swing hard in case you hit it, which is <laughs> hilarious advice to a little five-year-old kid. And that's been my mentality. You know, you say, David, everyone says you're the average of the five people you surround yourself with. I spend my most of my time with Walt Disney, P.T. Barnum, Jeff Bezos. I've read every book about some of the biggest innovators and inventors of our time and our previous time. And that's where I'm trying to get this mindset of that we can do anything if you think big and you're willing to try enough and fail enough. So that's where it comes with a kid just trying to make his dad proud every single day. I want to make my dad proud and now I want to make my kids proud. I truly believe it's that we can change the world and we can change it with baseball and bringing more joy to more people than anything else. And so I want to keep pursuing that. As someone who takes big chances, which you definitely do, I'd have to imagine you have a particular view about failure. What are you saying to your team when things don't go as planned? <laughs> That's every night at the ballpark. When you do five to 10 promotions, uh, like the living pinata does not work well. The halftime show with uh, that was the slowest forming developed halftime show ever. The horsehead race where the kids couldn't see out of the horse heads and the game got delayed by five minutes. Everything doesn't go as well as planned. But I think you either have a success or you have a story. And stories often lead to the greatest successes. So for instance, when we did fans giving night, I don't talk about this much, two years ago, and it was a night where we literally were going to celebrate Thanksgiving, 
but we were going to starve our fans for the first hour and a half and then have a big feast. <laughs> Not feeding your fans for an hour and a half was a terrible decision. We thought it'd be great, but when it went to feast, people couldn't get food. It was a disaster. We thought we were going to make this big Thanksgiving celebration. That didn't go well. We even had rations throwing bread in the crowd, but that didn't pay off. Uh, but it became a huge story that we talk about, like, oh, no, don't give us flashbacks of fans giving. We will never, ever sacrifice the food experience for our fans for a bigger promotion. You know, that's how we look at everything. What do you learn from something? You know, you either win or you learn. And so every night, what do we learn from that promotion? I mean, the other night, David, we had Messy Baby on the field. I thought it was a great promotion. We got three high chairs. We put tons of whipped cream and applesauce and all this with three babies. They didn't touch the food. They just looked at it. It was the cleanest messy baby contest ever. Nothing happened. It was terrible. And we just walked out the field and laughed. But, you know, you learn. You wouldn't have learned if we didn't do it. Tell me about the moment when you and your wife, you went all in. It's a great story and on making this team successful. Geez, I was probably 31 years old back then. My wife was 28. We had zero debt. You know, we had our dream house in Charlotte, North Carolina. And we found that opportunity to go down to Savannah and buy a team. And so we went from zero debt to seven figures in debt, and then it got worse. And, you know, we sold a handful of tickets. And by January of 2016, we'd overdrafted our account and we're completely out of money. And that's when we had to sell our house and empty out our savings account. And we were grocery shopping with only $30 a week. That's all the money we had to eat for an entire week. And it was a tough time. But at that moment, I remember that Emily and I had this weird belief that once people saw the show, we would be okay. We just had to get to that first night. You got to get to your first at bat, as we say. Get to your at bat and swing hard in case you hit it. And once we got to that first night and the players, opening night, the players were wearing green uniforms because they weren't quite ripe. <laughs> and we played, you know, terrible, made six errors. But the fans stayed. The Banana Nanas danced. And the players delivered roses in the crowd to little girls. And we had a great time. And in that moment, they told everyone. And so we just had to get through it. And I think the all-in moment was there were no other options. The boats were burned. We bought the team. We were in a million dollars plus debt. Let's just go all in and see, you know, can we do it our way? And I think, David, most people, when they get to those situations, they revert back to doing it the way everyone else does because it's safer. We'll just go back and be a baseball team. We won't do all-inclusive tickets. We won't make it all about entertainment. We'll be what people know. And that switched in my mind. I said, go the exact opposite because I'd rather go out on our terms and do it the way we want to do it than try to fit in like everyone else. And fortunately, it worked out okay. Yeah, I would say so. And if we were going to sit down in two years for another conversation, what do you hope is true that isn't true today? Well, what will happen with us, and I'm very confident on it, we will be playing at major league stadiums because we've had five major league teams reach out to us. We will do the first ever Bananas Cruise where we actually have 4,000 fans go on a cruise ship and then we stop at different islands and play games. I believe we'll play at places that you never imagined playing a baseball game. That's just kind of where we're going. I think what I see that's happening, David, is the way people take in entertainment. And right now you can get entertained on your fingertips. We're in a TikTok world. People are watching entertainment every five seconds, eight seconds bites. And I believe that's where we are trying to focus our show and our experience. And I think the companies and the businesses that focus on how do you entertain in short periods of time and get their attention fast are the ones that are going to win. And so we are trying to create a highlight world of everything we do to build into that attention span that people are used to. And so that's what I think where we're going. Two, three-hour baseball games are going to be tough for people to watch. They already are. It's going to be short, bite-sized. How do you deliver that way from every form of entertainment, in my opinion? Well, let me get some advice from you because, you know, I do these podcasts with the best leaders in the world and I can barely keep them under an hour. Am I really off track here? 
See, there will always be a need for long form. The question is, how do you grow and how do you scale? You get their attention with short bites, short bites, short bites, short bites. So for instance, is now we've developed 2.8 million TikTok followers, which is crazily 2 million more than any major league baseball team. That draws them into our funnel. I hate that word funnel. Draws them into our ecosystem of fandom and they get it. So it's like, if you want to start attracting, drawing, you're going to be able to pop up in lots of different places. And I think that's where we're trying to go and maybe thinking of, a podcast in a different way, because there are so many competitive podcasts today. What is what makes it so different that people like you're in, you're in a category of your own? You're the only because I think most people say I'm a little better. I'm a little faster. It's a little bit here. But how are you the only? And that's what I'm constantly focused on. And being open with you, I couldn't figure out with my podcast. I interviewed you and I learned so much. It was a great <laughs> learning experience for 100 episodes. But now I'm not the only. So I got out of that field to do what we can believe we can be the only in in baseball and, and entertainment. You mentioned earlier that in a couple of years from now, you expect to be playing in major league baseball fields and major league stadiums. And I know one of your dreams is to do a bananas game at Fenway Park. What would that mean to you when that happens? So growing up south of Boston, me and my dad, that was the one bond we had, baseball. My dad would take me to the field and I was so fortunate. He got me to be an honorary bat boy uh, when I was five years old. And I sat next to Roger Clemens and Jody Reed and Wade Boggs and Lee Smith. I was like, this is the best moment of my life. 15 years later, I got to pitch at Fenway in an all-star game. Most adrenaline I ever had in the man. And then for pretty much from seven years old until 22 years old, I dreamed every day of getting the phone call from the Red Sox, getting drafted by the Red Sox. And fortunately for me, that never happened because of what I'm doing now. I had a shoulder surgery and that ended that dream. But the idea of us going to Fenway Park where I spent hundreds of games and taking my dad out on the field and looking around and seeing a sold out crowd and say, dad, look at what we did is a real special moment. And I get emotional thinking about it because of all the time, all the dreams I had of playing there, I think what we're doing now with the Savannah Bananas and doing it at Fenway would be even bigger than that by tenfold. And that, that really excites me. I can't wait for that to happen for you. And, you know, I'd have to imagine that you get all kinds of calls from major league teams. What are the key things that you'd share that you believe would take what they do to the next level. I think it goes back to a little bit of what we were talking to. People's attention is the number one thing people need to be successful. You know, everyone talks about the game being too long. It is, it's three hours and 12 minutes too long in baseball, which is a challenge. But I think it starts with the fundamental, why are we doing this? And if everyone's competing on the same thing to win and lose, I think it's taking away the opportunity for guys to just have fun and express themselves. And I remember as a kid watching Ken Griffey Jr. and Ozzy Smith doing cartwheels and backflips and guys coming up to bat just truly having fun. That's been frowned upon a little bit because you have to act like you've done it before. So in baseball, I would really encourage guys expressing themselves. David, when you come to a bananas game, when we score our first run, the entire team runs through the whole crowd high-fiving every fan. It's ridiculous. You look in the dugout and there's no one there because the players are out in the crowd in the middle of the game. All right. I'm not saying MLB can do that. But what if MLB broke down the barriers a little bit? It's hard to relate to a Mike Trout and Otani and some of these players, but why don't you let where the players can actually connect with the fans, have fun, show them joking around, being kids again. That's why we played the game when we started. So I would start just with, hey, guys, what do we want to be? Who are we trying to attract? And uh, how do we create attention by making things more fun, faster paced, and more energized for the fan base?
I'm on a mission to make the world a better place by developing better leaders. And every week, I send out an email called the Weekly Leadership Plan, where I give you some simple tips that you can apply to help you grow in your confidence as a leader. You can get this weekly leadership plan for free. Just go to howleaderslead.com slash plan and sign up today. Again, that's howleaderslead.com slash plan. You keep talking about attention and you live this every day. You put on your yellow tuxedo, you got the great top hat on, you know, few years back, you had four. Now you have seven. You really draw attention to yourself. And, and I bet many times you feel like you're misunderstood in terms of doing that. I mean, what's that like? What's it like to feel misunderstood? <laughs> Not great, but we've been misunderstood since the beginning. You know, when we came up with the team name, the Savannah Bananas, I mean, the comments, the owner should be thrown out of town. Whoever came up with his name should be fired. I think uh, Bezos said this best. You need to be willing to be misunderstood. And people didn't understand what the heck an Alexa was or an Echo in the beginning. You know, people are a Kindle. Why do we need this? Same thing with Steve Jobs and everything they invented. It was so far ahead of its time. The first people were, this is ridiculous. This won't work. If you ask people what they wanted back with Henry Ford's time, they would have said faster horses. You're used to the way things have been. So being misunderstood is tough. Would wear this going through an airport. The looks that I would get, people would look and be like, what is wrong with this guy? I still get it from time to time. But I think, David, if you want to get the hearts of your customers, your fans, you first have to get their eyes and ears. You have to get their attention. If people can't see you, then how can you actually get their hearts? And so for us, I think we get the attention first and then they realize, wow, these, this team really is fans first. They don't charge ticket fees. They don't charge convenient fees. Every ticket's all inclusive. You know, they pay for my shipping. They give me free giveaways. Everything we do is to try to create fans. And once they see that, it often starts with the attention first. Having worked at KFC, Colonel Sanders was kind of like you, I would say. He had his white colonel suit, and when he'd walk <laughs> in the airports, he'd get all the attention, but it was to draw attention to the to the KFC brand. Did you pick that up from him, or where'd you get the yellow tuxedo idea? Oh, P.T. Barnum, P.T. Barnum, 100%. And P.T. Barnum was a showman through and through, and everything he was was about getting attention. And he said, uh, you know, without promotion, something terrible happens. <laughs> Nothing. Like, that's his quote. And and so I, I take that from him. But, you know, I think when you mentioned Colonel Sanders, he's not doing it because it's about himself. He's doing it because he believes so much in what he's doing and the brand and the product that he wants to draw attention. I believe so much in the experience. And when I watch a family that drives 40 hours from Utah to come to a game and they thank me at the end of the night and they say they're driving 40 hours back tomorrow and it was everything they hoped it would be. And when I have a family that flies in from another country and cries and hugs me after the night because it was the most fun her family's ever had together, of course I want to create attention because I want more people to experience in that. And so that's the root of it all. And I applaud Colonel Sanders and anyone else who does it because it's not easy because you will be misunderstood and people think it's all about you, but it's also really about something much, much bigger. Well, Colonel Sanders had a deep down conviction about customers and quality, and you've got a deep down conviction, obviously, just the passion that you have for what you do is contagious. How do you spread that conviction that you have to the people that work with you? Scream it from the mountaintops. You know, even just me doing this with you and doing this, I try to share as much as I can. Bob Iger talked about this in his great book, Ride of a Lifetime. He's another one who I would absolutely love to meet, really blown away by his vision and what he was able to do. But what Iger said is often we lead by press release. And so I share the big things that we're doing, the vision of what we're doing to try to get people inspired by what's next. 
And so he'd share in a press release and all the thousands and thousands of employees in Disney say, oh, look at what we're doing next. And that'd get people excited. You have to believe in where the company is going. So I share over and over again. And here's one thing, David, that not many people know. Not one player on our team gets a uniform until they go through a one-on-one fans first orientation with me as the owner. So it starts with beginning the whole team. And now as guys come in throughout the year, I'll sit down one-on-one with them and I'll say, this is who we are. This is where we started the traditions. This is why we do what we do. And I think sharing that vision with every player, every staff member really goes a long way. Well, you've got this great vision to make baseball fun and CBS Sunday Morning, another fairly prominent (laughs) media vehicle, did a feature on you and the Bananas in June. And when they asked you how to do that, you said, celebrate everything. I'd love to hear a story about how you lead in this approach. First of all, 1% of our budget goes solely to surprise and delight our team. 1%. So to give you an example, Marie, our fans first director, her bucket list trip was to go to Ireland. We surprised her with a trip to go to Ireland with her dad. You know, we've sent uh, Danny to go to uh, the Cleveland Indians World Series game back in 2016 with his dad. We try to create memories and moments for our team and celebrate them and recognize them. You know, we've sent people, you name it, anything on their bucket list, because we believe a memory and experience is so much greater than just giving people cash, which we do. But that's big for us. I'll give you an example. Two weeks ago, finished. It was a long night. One o'clock in the morning, David, we're having our fans first moments. After every game, we talk about the fans first moments and we have someone that goes undercover and talks about what they saw. And the team wanted to play kickball under the lights at one in the morning. And I looked at this and all of a sudden we've got 50 people on our team playing kickball. I played the DJ. I was going around music, hyping everyone up. We were just celebrating each other by just having fun, getting to do what our players get to do. And a night when no one else was there after a sold out crowd, That's a different level of celebrating, but I think celebrating is just having fun together, being able to enjoy what we get to do and actually be a part of it. Speaking of celebration, congratulations on the launch of your new book, Fans First. It's absolutely terrific. What's the main lesson that you're you're wanting your readers to walk away with? Stop chasing customers, start creating fans. You know, if I could simplify it in that from a business standpoint, Everything changed when we stopped focusing on short-term profits and started focusing on creating long-term fans. When you get together, most companies talk about how do we drive revenue? How do we drive sales? How do we drive the next quarterly results? You know, we're focused on the next quarter century. I mean, David, this is something that nobody people know. We pay your taxes. So I'll give you an example. If you go to a sporting event and you buy food or drink or tickets, you pay taxes on those. It's just normal. We pay your taxes for you. A $20 ticket is $20. A $6 beer is $6. All your food is free. Like, that's part of it. And is it dumb in a business sense in the short term? You better believe it. But in the long term, I think people learn to trust us and are loyal to us and will buy merchandise and wear us proudly all over the world. And so I believe everybody, whatever you do, whatever business, focus on creating fans. And here's the little key. The biggest fan has to be yourself. The biggest fan has to be yourself and whatever you do. And if you're not a huge fan of what you do, you need to reflect back and think, is this the best thing for me to be doing? Great point. You know, I think people need to find their joy and you obviously have a lot of it. (laughs) In your book, you talk about this concept called plussing. What do you mean by that? And what's an example of how you're living out this principle? The fun thing about that too is that chapter is after the book is over. So literally the book ends with like the the acknowledgements, the gratitude, everything else, and then plussing is the end. Plussing (laughs) is a term learned from Walt Disney And I know I'm like a broken record with him, but I have researched and studied him more than anybody. And he said it back. He said, Disneyland is a living, breathing thing. It'll never be complete. We'll continue to plus the show and plus the experience. 
And he was so obsessed that he would literally, when they were selling out crowds in Disneyland in Christmas time, he would convince the managers and accountants to spend another $350,000 on having a special Christmas parade. And they said, well, we don't need to do this. It's already at capacity. He goes, no, we have to continue to do this so people want to continue to come back. And that is the method of plussing. So to give you an example, every night after the game, myself and our director of entertainment, we go through our script and we do laps around the field, looking at every single moment and saying, how do we make it a little bit better, a little bit better? Like we used to have a seventh inning stretch like everyone does. Now we sing the song Yellow by Coldplay and we actually, everyone puts flashlights in the air and the <laughs> whole stadium is lit up and it says, look at the stars, look how they shine for you. And it was all yellow. And that's a little plus moment. Say the seventh inning stretch could be better. How do we make it our own moment? Every single thing that we look at, the player dances, the banana nana dances, the break, it's like, ooh, what if we add this level, add this? And that's the tinkering that I think when you start doing that, it makes a huge adjustment. We'll be back with the rest of my conversation with Jesse Cole in just a moment. In my conversation with Rob Manfred, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, he talks about his vision for the future of the sport. My goal is I want to make sure that baseball stays the national pastime. You know, we're probably not going to be football in terms of popularity, but I think baseball has a cultural significance um, that football's never going to have. And I want to make sure that sports stays popular enough that we keep that title. So if you're a baseball fan or simply want to hear how someone like Rob leads at the highest level of his profession, you're going to love my conversation with Rob Manfred. Episode 91, here on How Leaders Lead. You know, you keep evolving, keep learning, keep pushing yourself, keep pushing your team to take it to the next level. What do you know today, Jesse, when you look back that you wish you would have known when you started the team in 2016? Because you've certainly come a long way. Focus. Focus, my friend. We had three teams back in the day. We were selling sponsorship, doing events. People don't know this, David. We have zero sponsorship at our stadium. We eliminated all the ads. We're the one of the dumbest baseball teams to throw away, you know, millions of dollars of advertising money right before COVID. But we were selling all this and we weren't that good at it. We didn't believe in it as much. Uh, we had tons of events at our ballpark. We had food truck festivals and haunted stadiums and the running of the bananas, a 5K with like a thousand people in banana costumes. They all did okay, but it spread our focus on what we could be the best at. And so now everyone's like, are you going to get more teams? Are you going to go to the bigs? Are you going to do this? I'm like, no, we're singularly focused on the Savannah Bananas and making baseball fun and creating the greatest show in sports every night at our ballpark. We don't focus on all that other auxiliary. And so we can become the best at that. And so I think at the beginning, we tried so many other things. It was like, oh, the shiny object syndrome, this squirrel, 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 just going from thing to thing to thing, which a lot of creators do. But now I'm really focused on this one thing. And because of that, the momentum has been better than I could ever imagine. Jesse, this has been so much fun catching up. And now I want to have a little more with some rapid fire questions in what I call my lightning round here. Are you ready for this? Sure, let's do it. The three words that best describe you. <laughs> oh, geez. People would say probably crazy, fun, outgoing. If you could be one person for a day beside yourself, who would it be and why? I have to go back to 1960 and be Walt Disney. I'm sorry. I got to go back, man. I got to go put myself in his shoes. <laughs> and what's your biggest pet peeve? It's always been done that way. <laughs> if I were to get in your car right now, what would be coming out of the speakers? 
Ooh, ooh, I like this one. I like this one. This one's fun. If it's not a podcast, a business podcast, which I hate, I'll go, <laughs> how do I say this? All right, Tropical House Radio, Country Music, or Big Booty Mix. And I can't believe I just said that on there, but it's a very fun <laughs> mix and we have a lot of fun with it. My team loves it. <laughs> What's something about you that few people would know? Most people don't know that my wife and I are foster parents to two beautiful and amazing young girls, one three-year-old and one baby. And it's been a dream of my wife and I to help with the problem of the fact that there's so many kids in this country that don't have a home, over 500,000 right now. And it's a dream that we've thought about for many years, but not many people talk about. And so as we think about where we're going with this, we have a bigger dream that as we travel all over the country, we want to start a nonprofit to build awareness and help the kids. And the nonprofit will be called Bananas Foster. And so as we grow that, we hope that we can really, really help every single kid find a home that deserves one. God bless you. I, I love that. If there's anybody that can do it, you can. You know, what's your favorite thing you've done to entertain fans during a game? Whew. You're talking to a guy that has done way too many things that have not worked. So, I mean, obviously there's moments that say, you know, the first time the break dancing coach dance and the crowd went nigh, the dancing umpire, all those different moments, the players, uh, player coming up and doing a split in the batter's box and being the smallest strike zone ever, the guy pitching in stilts, the world's tallest pitcher, all those stand out. But for me, it's in the top of the fourth inning, every single game where the whole sold out crowd or in Savannah or another stadium gets up and dances, hey baby, hey, hey baby, ooh, ah. And 4,000 plus people are doing this dance in unison and you look around and say, wow, there's nowhere else in the world this is happening. We are just having fun together. Whether you're two years old or 82 years old, that's an every night thing that I'll never get old of. When did the light bulb go off for you when you said, hey, you know what? I'm not in the baseball business. I'm in the entertainment business. When did you have that monumental moment? Very similar to Walt when he was on this bench at Griffith Park with Diane and Sharon on the carousel. And he said, I wish there was a place adults and kids could have fun. Mine happened on a bench up in Cape Cod, Katuit, Massachusetts. I was coaching in the Cape Cod League. I was a volunteer assistant coach. And I was sitting in the dugout, David, with the best players in the country. I mean, all these guys would go on and play professional baseball in the MLB. Best seat in the house, third inning. And I sat there and I said, I'm bored out of my mind. And I remember this because I remember love, loving playing the game. There's a difference when you're on the mound pitching and you're hitting your playing game. But sitting in the best seat in the house, I was bored. And I said, if I'm going to run a team, I want to make it so every moment is exciting, is entertaining. So everyone, whether you played baseball or didn't, you can have fun at a baseball game. And that was that moment. I recall it vividly to this day. Oh, that's great. What's one piece of advice, Jesse, you'd give to anyone who wants to improve as a leader? Be patient in what you want for yourself, but be impatient in how much you give to others. And this has been on our Fans First playbook since day one. I preach it in Fans First. And I think the reality is we want things so quick, but how often we focus on how much value, how much you can give to others, whether you're a leader and it's your team or your customers or your fans. So every day, playing the long game, my friend, when you play the long game, things usually work out pretty well in the end. I know why you're so happy, because the happiest people in the world are other directed. And that's why you've got that beaming smile on your face. <laughs> and, you know, I want you to leave us with one final story that speaks to the heartbeat of why you and your team do all that you do. It goes to our team, a gentleman named Reginald Horton, Reggie, as he's called by all the guys. And the first year, Reginald reached out to us wanting a job. We didn't have a team name. We were on the airbed, David. Like, we weren't thinking about game day staff, but he called every single week. Reginald has a mental disability. 
but the biggest heart you'd ever imagine. And so finally, we said, yes, come join our team. And so we joined our staff, joined our team, became a part of it, and just did everything at the ballpark, concessions, trash, maybe did it all. And so a couple of years ago, he said, uh, Jesse, uh, my birthday's on a game day. It's a big birthday. It's turning 40 years old. Big birthday. It's my birthday's on a game day. I go, okay, great, Reginald. That's awesome. It's awesome. He goes, just want to let you know. And he proceeded to tell every single person on the staff his birthday was on a game day for two weeks <laughs> up until his day. His game came, his birthday came, and we're having our pep rally with the whole staff, getting ready for the night, fired up. And all of a sudden, I took Reginald around, and everyone started singing happy birthday. And he goes, for me? Of course, Reginald, it's for you. You told everyone on the staff. <laughs> and so we gave him, obviously, a cake. We sang happy birthday. We gave him balloons. And I said, Reginald, hey, one more thing. And I learned this from Steve Jobs. Always have one more thing. I said, one more thing. Can you come down to the uh, dugout before the game? He goes, sure, Jesse, whatever you need, whatever you need, sure. Comes down the dugout right before the game. Got 4,000 people standing. It's for the player introductions. The pep band's on the dugout. Everyone's fired up. Batting first, batting second, batting third. All the starters come out. We say, last but not least, fans, you know him. You love him. Let's hear it for Reginald. He throws his arms straight up in the air. He runs through the line, high-fiving every player. And at the end, our coach is there waiting for him with a jersey with his name on it. And he gave Reginald the jersey. Reggie put the jersey on, lined up for the national anthem with the team. And I watched as a tear came down the side of his face. And at the end of the night, Reginald said, that was one of the best days of his life. <laughs> so fast forward, the next year, the player said, can Reggie be a coach with us? So Reggie became a coach for the team, stayed in the dugout, made the Reginade, which was really just Powerade. And he gave pep talks to the guys. And he'd say, guys, hitters, tonight, don't swing at anything unnecessary. I mean, it was hilarious, <laughs> amazing pep talks. The team won the championship last year. And when they won the championship, they handed the trophy to Reggie. And at home plate, the entire stadium and the players were chanting, Reggie, Reggie, Reggie. And now he's a coach on the team. He's a part of it. And it all started with just a birthday a few years ago. Pretty special. What a great story that is. I've had the opportunity to talk to you maybe four or five times, Jesse. I feel like I've known you forever. And I want to just thank you by just recognizing you for for reaching out to me. You know, I'll never forget the yellow note card you sent me, recognizing me for, I think, a book or two that you'd read of mine and had an impact on your life. And then you put your yellow business card along with the letter. And I had to call you. And I did. And you know what? We've developed into friends from far away. And I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be on this podcast and keep up the great work. I hope to see you at Fenway Park. And I hope all your dreams come true because you are doing such good in the world. Well, you've inspired me more than you know. And I've shared that since the beginning. I've told you, I always think, what would David do in this situation? And I still think about that from time to time because of the leader you were. And I will hold you to something right now, David. When we play at Fenway, I want you at that game. I will be there. I will be there. Okay. All right. Thanks, buddy. Beautiful. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, that was just way too much fun. I have no doubt we're going to see the Savannah Bananas play at Fenway Park someday. And you know what? I told Jesse I'm going to be there. So I'm going to be there. And I'll be there singing, Hey, baby in that sing-along. I gotta say, better than anybody else I know, Jesse understands the power of attention, and he brings his team along too. I love his OTT meetings, where anyone can bring their over-the-top ideas to get people talking and fulfill their mission of making baseball fun. 
for Jesse, it's not just about marketing, it's about attention. And this week, I want you to focus on attention too. What outside the box ideas could you try that would get people talking? Think about it. How can you look beyond successful marketing and make sure you're also successful at getting attention? And hey, if you need some ideas, tune in on August 19th to watch Banana Land on ESPN Plus and you'll see Jesse in action in his yellow tuxedo and all. So do you want to know how leaders lead? What we learned today is that great leaders know that attention beats marketing. Coming up next on How Leaders Lead is Cyrus Friedheim, one of the best management consultants of all time and former CEO of Chiquita and Chicago Sun-Times. So be sure to come back again next week to hear our entire conversation. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of How Leaders Lead, where every Thursday you get to listen in while I interview some of the very best leaders in the world. I make it a point to give you something simple on each episode that you can apply to your business so that you will become the best leader you can be.